Hello, hello, and welcome to Game Till Five. This is Steph, and this is Nikki. Hello. How are you, Nikki? I'm alright. I've had a power nap. I'm ready. You're ready? Because today we're talking about our top five N64 games. Yeah, this is a cool one. But I have realised that looking back on my N64 days, I don't really have that many games that I played, but they were good ones, so I've made a list. Good. I'm glad you've got a list for this list-based podcast. I also realised I don't have that many that I could think of, and through research I realised that's because the N64 only had like about 100 or so games on it. It really? didn't have that many. Yeah. It was like ah. one of the lowest amount of games on it for how many, you know, people owned the thing. Well, that was not right. that many games. Yeah. Everyone played the same shit. This will be a very quick episode. It will. And I'm predicting crossovers galore. Yeah. I think, you know, last week was our 10th uh, episode Bonanza, but I think this week it's going to be a Beetle Bonanza. It is going to be a Beetle Bonanza. And if a Beetle Bonanza is needed, this is what it sounds like. Oh! I was really hoping you'd, like, double-click him a lot, because that would be a Beetle Bonanza. Oh, yeah. That's true. Is that true. possible? Oh! <laughs> All it does Doesn't is quite just work, break but... up the Beetle. Yeah. It doesn't restart it, so it just... It kind of sounds like he's broken. He... Well, to be fair, he would be broken if it was a Beetle Bonanza, because he couldn't keep up with all the crossovers that's true beetle's gonna be very tired after this <laughs> yeah but for anyone that doesn't know or has never been here before we make a top five list out of video game related things and then if we have a crossover then beetle announces himself as you just heard yes well explained nikki you're welcome um in that case i think that we should just head straight into n64 land because i'm looking forward to it sweet What are you buying? How about a game of lucky hit? A three-headed monkey! Let's go! Whoosh! I don't know why I felt like I needed to put a whoosh in, but I did. It felt like a whooshy kind of day. <laughs> I love it, just an awkward whoosh. I'm going to do that whenever I feel an awkward moment happening. I'm just going to go whoosh and then wave my arms and run away. Good. That's how you escape it. None of this awkward turtle bullshit. No. Whoosh out of there. Yeah. Whoosh straight on out. Um, Whose turn is it to go first this week? I I've think gotten... it's yours. Oh. Well, that's exciting. In that case, I'm going to hop right to it. And my number five top N64 game is Star Wars 1 Racer. Nice. Star Wars Episode 1 Racer. The pod racing game, as I think everyone else knows it, because apparently that's not its name. I always used to think it was pod racing, but it's not. It's so Episode I. 1 Racer. Uh, actually, oh. one of my facts, which I'll slide in now, is that... Uh, they wanted it to be called Pod Racer, but Ubisoft released a game just before that called Pod, and therefore had exclusive rights to use that word in their game titles. That makes no sense. Like Pod Racer and Pod, they could have like hyphened it surely, and then it got away with it. But they they own they own the letters. Yeah, that that in that particular order. I wonder if it counts if you're like making it Pod within a title. 
Does that mean that no other games have the word pod in it? Because Ubisoft are like, no, this is ours, motherfuckers. I mean, maybe. How many games that start with pod do you know? None that come to mind. This may be why. It might be Ubisoft and their reign of terror on the pods. Jesus. Can you even use the word podcast without Ubisoft charging us? Oh, I didn't think about that. Ubisoft, please don't sue us. I have no money and neither does Nikki. I'll have a go. You'll have a go? I'll have a go at them. I'll make a podcast game. Pods everywhere. All the pods. Any kind of different pod you can think of. (laughs) P-pod. Well, I can think of one pod. (laughs) going to say, I've got nothing. Pod racer. There we go. Um, but then I think LucasArts might have a go at us for that one. Anyway, pod racing, or racer, as it is properly known, uh, was a fun racing game that was out on the N64. Uh, I think it's probably the racing game that I played most on N64 for me. I mean, I really liked Star Wars as a kid, and I think this is one of the only redeeming qualities of the prequels, uh, was the introduction of pod racing. Pod racing seemed cool. Everything else in the prequels, not so much. But pod racing, yes, I'm down with that. Pod racing is good. I like pod racing. Yeah. It was a, also, I feel like it was a very different racing game to whatever else was around at the time. Like, everything that reigned supreme at that time was just like the kart races of the world, which are obviously really good. But I don't know. This one just felt very different to me. I think even as a kid, I really enjoyed it because it felt different and not just because it was Star Wars. And you could fly pretty damn quick. It was a speedy, speedy game. Have they ever released another pod racing game? I don't think so. They've I know you could they've re-released this one on like Steam and mm. GOG. Cuz I think they should. I feel like they we need some more pod racing in our lives. Yeah, I'd be totally down with a new pod racing game. Yeah. And I think many other people would be. I think it's sold stupidly well. In fact, fact number 2 cuz I'm just throwing facts in everywhere today. I'm fact crazy. <laughs> um as of 2011, this game holds the current Guinness World Record for the best-selling sci-fi racing game, having worldwide sales of 3.12 million and beating things like Wipeout and F-Zero. Really? Yeah. it's wow. pretty good. So, so yeah, so I feel like the market has spoken Lucas Arts that does not exist anymore. Please make the podcast game. I mean, Ubisoft can make it. They've, they've got the rights to the word. That's, that's true. So come make on, more. Yeah. We'll be okay. You bought with that. that right. You may as well use it. Yeah. If you're only going to release like one game, and you just call it Pod, then at least expand to you know other types of Pod. Exactly. I've named at least one today. So, so it's funny because I feel like I'm going to know your list because I literally know the games that you own on N64. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. Mm. I didn't think this was going to make your list. So yeah. Um, yeah. So. All- already a surprise um there's not really much else to it other than it was well done for like star wars game because i think sometimes star wars games sell just because they've got star wars in the name like you know what i mean they're just yeah though i personally think there were some shit ones most of them are good Mm. um obviously depending on what ones i actually did really enjoy like the playstation one versions of the old well i say old like the newer old films that we don't talk about that i don't like um like they had a playstation one game based on that movie and that was actually really good but generally i sometimes they can be turds yeah yeah and then they just seem to get like bought because people just go oh it's got star wars i'll buy it but this one and a you know like as in a couple of others like uh kotor and that kind of thing everything just kind of they earned their stripes 
they were allowed the sales that they got even yeah. though yeah so that's about it that's gonna be a short speedy number five but it was a good racing game oh one other thing i was gonna mention was that uh you could like you had to like maintain your pod which i always thought was really cool like so if you bumped into uh environment or like other races and stuff like it would flag different parts of your ship that you'd be like injured kind of like wipeout uh when you bump sides too many times um yeah which i really liked because it was like i might blow up at any moment and you just don't know and then you have to get a little repair droid to fix you see what would be a great idea for a game and a game that you should totally make because you work in games is a new pod racing game uh where you can like make your own pod racing like vehicles and like customize them sorry i've just all i've literally just heard your number five and i've just started thinking about how i want to pick a pod racing game (laughs) i mean that's fine this is why i bring these games to you so you think how much you either want to play them or you want new versions of them and then you know i pretend like i'm gonna go make that even though yeah i i believe you and then months later my dreams are crushed when i realized you were just telling me what i wanted to hear well i'm sorry we've been over this i can't make everything that's fine so does that mean we're on to my number five yeah your number five so we're not gonna have a crossover on this one i don't think uh Mm -hmm. my number five is yoshi's story oh no we don't have a crossover on yoshi's story so I remember I got this game when I was quite young. Um, so it was released in, I think it was 1997 actually, or 1998 uh, for Nintendo 64. And it was a follow-up to Yoshi's Island. So it's a platformer and it's kind of puzzly, I guess, but it's basically adorable. And I mean, a seven-year-old me, as we all know, wasn't really used to like cutesy games by this point. I've been playing, you know, yeah. Fallout where there's prostitution and murder and everything and so you know when i picked up yoshi's story i was like this is this is nothing you know this is this is too tame for seven-year-old nikki but it was good (laughs) and i enjoyed it and it was yeah as i said it was adorable um the sort of general story to it is there's a load of cute adorable little multicolored yoshis and they live in this big super happy tree it's called um and there's lots of fruit on it a lot of melons and nice. what happens is there's a baby Bowser and like a spoiled little brat, he becomes envious, envious of the happiness of the Yoshis and decides to do this spell to transform everything into like a storybook. Weird spell. I don't know why you do that. Um, yeah, he just gets angry, steals the tree and just wants to make them miserable, basically, like a little dick. Um, so yeah. <laughs> while he is successful with his wicked deed, he does succeed but six eggs were able to survive this trauma to the tree and they woke up and they knew something was wrong so they decided to to fight against it and basically restore happiness to their cute little island and yeah it's just cute there's not really much else to say other than it's adorable and some of the uh like the level design is amazing like some of them are made made to look really like fabric-y or made out of like different materials and it's yeah it's really well done actually yeah, From kind of like early Yoshi's crafted and Willy yeah, Land. You can definitely. see where they took all the inspiration from. And it kind of reminded me of like Little Big Planet as well when that came out. It kind of mm. reminded me of, of Yoshi's story as well. It just it was a good looking game. I remember it being difficult. People did say it was difficult, and I probably didn't like. I feel like I did complete it, but when I was young, I often didn't complete games because I was a child. But um, people think they complain about it being difficult, but you know, it was a good game. Yeah, couldn't find many facts though. Um, no, not no. a good fact one. There wasn't really much going on. The only other thing that I found was apparently there was a purple and brown Yoshi, like, on the cover 
I think maybe in the start screen, but they weren't playable in the game. So for some reason, there were like these myths of how to get the purple Yoshi and the brown one. And apparently to get the purple one, you have to collect every single coin on every single level. But supposedly this was just a myth. So this has never actually been proved. And I'm sure someone probably has collected all the coins. But um, apparently most people know this is false, but it does still appear on walkthroughs to this day, even on websites like IGN. Even though it's basically bullshit. No, but that's a shit. You'd be so pissed if you spent that long collecting all of it and then you just don't even get the reward. Yeah, but then also I think you should question yourself. Um, (laughs) How much... I think, yeah. How much you really need a purple Yoshi in your life. There's plenty of other colours. I liked the pink one. Well, that's fair. I mean, you're right there, actually. I was about to say, like, well, if we start questioning the goal of completioning of video games, then I don't know what we're doing here. But at the same time, you bring up a good point with the coloured, different coloured Yoshis. Like, just pick a new colour. You don't need the purple. Yeah, I get completionism. Like, I've been there, but, you know, maybe just evaluate what you're trying to do. There was no trophies back then. It was just, you know, no one would really know that you didn't get the purple Yoshi. But anyway, um, my last and final fact, because there's not very many facts for this game, is the game was dubbed The Melon Quest by fans due to the fact that in most of the, the game and the optional side challenges, all you did was eat melons. <laughs> Amazing. Melon so, Quest. Sounds... Melon Quest, yeah. Yeah. It sounds like a delicious version of the game. I mean, the Yoshis just ate a fuck ham throughout this game. Just a constant... I mean, you probably are good at the noise of Yoshi eating. Just constant... <laughs> yeah, just constant that as they stuff their faces throughout the game. I think that's fair. But I do love Yoshi. And this game made me love Yoshi even more. Or should I yeah. say Yoshis, because it wasn't just singular Yoshi. I don't really understand that, because it's not just one Yoshi, is there? There's loads of them. Yeah, there's lots of different kinds of Yoshi. So is Yoshi named Yoshi, or does no one actually name him? Does he have a name? Isn't Yoshi a species? That's what I think. Mm, maybe Yoshi's a species, because you can get different, like, Willy... I've been playing... I played, like, Willy's World not that long ago. <laughs> you which, said by that the way, quickly, it definitely comes out as Willy's World. It does. I was about to say the same thing of just being like, it's very difficult not to say Willy's World when you're saying Yoshi. Um, but that it's an adorable game and we must not cover it in smart. But yeah, they have lots of different kinds of Yoshi. Yeah. So maybe... Lots of different fabrics. I'd love to know if anyone knows, is Yoshi a species or is it his name or have they all just termed Yoshi? I need to know. <laughs> it's important. But I'm also too lazy to Google it, so... I mean, it's much nicer if someone just told you the answer. Yes. Exactly. Because I'm lazy. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. Right, now we're going on to potential um, crossover territory. But oh. I'm ready, my body's ready, so it's your number All right. four. My number four is Pokemon Stadium. Whew. No, not got it. Not got it? Alright then. Um, yeah, Pokemon Stadium uh, is pretty much as the word would describe, it's Pokemon. And this was when the original black, uh, blue and red were out. So it only contains the Pokemon from there. However, I do also own Pokemon Stadium 2. So I'm kind of including them both together because they're both very similar in game, in gameplay. They were great. They basically took just the basic fighting aspect of the and gameplay from the you know handheld versions and put them on a big screen. And it was awesome at the time because the first time you would have seen like your giant Pokemon in 3D and color if you weren't playing like a color Game Boy. And even then the color was like, you know... 8-bit colour, whereas this was like full crazy amounts of colour and there were giant models and it was very cool 
Um, there was no story. That's the only thing I think. I think a downfall on this game. But you pretty much just did a massive tournament consisting of about four cups, I think. And uh, I think there was also a gym leader castle, kind of like the elite four. So you went there and you did your higher up ones. But yeah, I think my true love for this game lies in the mini game area, uh, of which I am a boss. I think if I had to pick any game for anyone to try and beat me at, it's this. Yeah, I was going to say, as many times I've heard you like offer or threaten someone at some sort of game, and your your sort of go-to is always Pokemon Stadium. Yeah. And it's normally the egg game. It is always the egg game. I've never, I've you know, perfected the egg game every time. Um, the only thing I find... I've never I seen find... you lose the egg game. Yeah, exactly. Never. It's never happened. Except maybe once. I think actually uh, Jesse once beat me when we lived together. He was determined to beat me at Pokemon Stadium. I'm surprised he's um, still alive after that. I think I had a very off day and I had been like out doing other things and he will murder me for saying this that so it doesn't count but it's fine. But yeah, it is my game of choice if anyone wants to challenge me at anything. Uh, I, mostly because I always say this when I'm in things like Overwatch and stuff that requires more shooting skill and I'm like, I can't, I'm not very good but mini games, you just wait and see um but yeah also the fun thing about it was you could play your game boy games on them so it had like it was like the first game to use the transfer pack or something like that i think i don't know if it's the first game to one but you could use the transfer pack and move your pokemon from your games like red blue uh, and then gold and silver in the second ones and then put them on the n64 to fight them in the stadium which was very cool i never actually played the main game i only ever played the mini games at your house yeah um, but I've seen like the main game being played, but I think yeah, for me it was just all about the, the mini games. Yeah. Well, you're not really a Pokemon player, are you? So uh, I get that that's not, not really your jam. Majorly. No, never been like a major Pokemon fan, but I pick it up every now and again or a particular one. But no, oh, that's fair. Some people are just not their thing. I think you kind of miss the craze, and which not not a thing. But yeah, you could also play the actual games if I think if you had them. Uh, so you could use them to like emulate the Game Boy games. So you could play like red and gold and yellow and all those kind of cool things, which is also pretty cool. I enjoyed this game. And my facts are that Electrobuzz mistakenly has six fingers on each hand and it was never corrected, even what in Pokemon fuck? Stadium 2. Someone they were just like, that out. Right? They were just like, no, we're not going to sort it out. He's just going to be a weirdo with six fingers on each hand liabilities a child of incest or something um <laughs> yeah and... that pokemon got bred with a very close <laughs> relative i think and um my i think my favorite fact of today unless you have any good ones is that nido queen's entry stance had to be altered for international release as her japanese stance showed her cupping her breasts oh yeah wait wait wait, wait. sorry who's cupping their breasts Nido Queen. So Who's she that? is the Oh Nido Queen. Wait, yeah. do they even have breasts? It's like a rabbit thing. Well it's like she's got like chest plates. I guess that you could see her boobs. God. If you look at her, she's got like almost boobs, I but she's like just apparently she's just holding them. Stop sexualizing these Pokemon. Right. I mean I never thought I'd think about sexy Pokemon, but <laughs> Nido Queen's probably not the one I picked. Now you mention so... it. That's a good idea for a game. <laughs> Sexy Pokemon. You could sell millions on Steam. Oh god, that's a whole new word to like 
work to the whole Pokemon thing if they're sexy. Because then you're basically prostituting Pokemon. That's a whole new kind of game. That's like Pokemon pimping. Oh, Pokemon God. pimp. Wow. Yeah, it's like GTA cross Pokemon. It's weird. Oh. Not a world that I want to live in. No? Really. But a world What's... that could profit. What? Yeah, okay, but yeah. Uh, that with you it's not a world i'd like to see or be a part of other than to make a lot of money off it which essentially is what a pimp does so but then i feel like we're going into the realms of like bestiality with pokemon there because they are basically animals right and so now it's just getting weird yeah now you put it that way i guess it depends whether it's humans that are attracted to the pokemon or other pokemon ah yeah well that's kind of just that nature are we then making a nature documentary that's the real question yeah but then i feel like if the queen has breasts then it's kind of she's kind of more human you Mm. know i was hoping we could make it into a more of a david attenborough kind of thing no i think no i think it's worse (laughs) okay i think once you get once you start going down one road all the other roads open up and you can't stop the sickos being attracted to pokemon yeah that's true i mean there probably already are so that's true there's probably pokemon porn out there somewhere i think that's the general rule of the internet is if there's something exists then there's a porn of it well i'm glad we got into this discussion early on in the podcast so that we could scare everyone away yeah i mean these are the real questions that i think everyone needs to have in daily life we answer right. those questions for you. Yeah. Is Yoshi a species? And can we make Pokemon porn? Done. <laughs> Sweet. And with that, I think I'm just going to be done with my number four. <laughs> okay. So this one is probably a crossover. So get Beetle ready, I guess. Get him out of his cage. No. Goldeneye. Double no. Are you serious? Yeah, because I was like, you know what? Weirdly, I did this because I knew you'd have gone. You're not allowed I didn't to put do it on my that. List. That's <laughs> against the rules. I'm sorry, but actually, I have a legitimate reason. I just wanted to include my five, and that was just not one I wanted to include. And I wasn't worried about not including it because I knew you'd have it. So that's a better answer. Okay, yeah, that's my answer then. <clears throat> okay, so Goldeneye 007 is a great game, and I remember getting it my birthday i don't know how old i was maybe nine or eight it came out in 1997 it was based on the 1995 james bond film goldeneye i was very happy when i got this game i didn't really understand why because i was a child but i remember when i put it in and i started playing it i was just like fuck yes this is cool um so basically goldeneye 007 is just kind of like a single player campaign mode there, there's also like the multiplayer aspect to it as well, but the general campaign is obviously based on the movie, generally. Uh, so you assume the role of a British secret intelligence service agent called James Bond, obviously. I'm not really going to go into who James Bond is because everybody knows who James Bond is. Yeah. Um, but in this one, you're doing something with a satellite and something with London and a global financial meltdown. I don't know. I don't really care about that. you never seen the movie? Oh, for a long time. I remember parts of the game, like, quite vividly, but I don't remember, like, yeah, I wouldn't be able to tell you exactly what happens. I remember there was a guy in a Hawaiian shirt and glasses. That's a weirdly specific thing that you've remembered about Goldeneye, but I like it. I often have these weird memories of games. Um, But no, it was really, really good, and I really, really enjoyed Mm. it. Both parts, both the the campaign and uh, the multiplayer. Yeah. Yeah, and it was just, it was good times, and it's still, to this day... 
to be fair, it kind of tends to be my go-to. If someone like offers to beat me at a game, I would probably pick Goldeneye. I spent a lot of time on it, and I was very good at slappers. So where that's where you get like your oh, bare hands, and you've got to slap yeah. each other. I was great at Golden Gun. I always pick Odd Job because everyone Oddjob hates me for it. was the cheat character. Because he's so short. Yeah. It's much harder to aim at him. Yeah, I remember once, my favourite moments, I think it was you actually, and potentially Probably. Max, um, we were all playing GoldenEye 007 and I was this golden gun and I picked up job and I was just running around just shooting the shit out of everyone demolishing everyone and just I remember just cackling like an evil yeah. villain I think there was a lot of rage involved in that evening as well was that the same evening that we decided we were only going to play with like remote explosives as well oh yeah that was great that was a good that idea was a good time yeah, so um, many different game modes you could make in that multiplayer. It was amazing. Yeah, I think that was that was the great thing about it. Like, although the single player stood sub- alone, like, well, the multiplayer just had so much replay value to it. There was just, oh, I remember that. It's just those little things. I remember hiding in some of the crates in one of the levels. Because um, you could do that if you, like, blew it up and then sat in it and crouched in it. So then when someone came in the room, you could just, like, fucking murder them. Yeah, murk. <laughs> It was just so fun. Like I just I had so many like funny nights playing that game yeah. with like friends, my brother and sister and everything. It was just it was just good. I agree. Good old yeah. murder fun. It it was a very good game and like you said, I think that's why I probably not included it in my list is because I have a lot more memories of it being fun when I've played with other people. I didn't play it properly like single player until I was older. Oh, okay. Yeah. In which I enjoyed it, but it just hasn't stuck with me. But yeah, the multiplayer aspect is just one of my favourite games to yeah. play. And to segue into a fact, the multiplayer was actually a last minute addition. It was never mm. really planned to be in there. It was around a month before the game scheduled release and the programme decided to include the multiplayer feature as an afterthought. So they spent like the remaining weeks doing it, which I thought was just like mad. Because that's like one of the things that it's critically acclaimed for as well, is the multiplayer. Yeah. So for the fact that that was just like an afterthought is hilarious. Like imagine if they never put that in, I don't reckon it would have had the success that it did. No, I think it would just would have been a forgotten game by yeah. now. Um, another random standalone fact: in April nineteen ninety eight in Germany, um, it was decided that the game could not be advertised or sold to minors and was put on some kind of list. I think it's some sort of like banned list um, because of the death scenes and perceived glorification of violence. There are still about 400 games on this list, apparently, but yeah, Golden was one of them, because apparently it was too wow. violent. Man. Yeah. That's impressive for a game, I guess, back then. But you're right, I guess there wasn't really anything that had that level of violence in it at the time. Yeah, I guess it's like the glorification of violence. I mean, I was just talking about running around murdering everyone laughing, so... Yeah, you were a prime candidate. <laughs> yeah. But look at me now, I'm normal. Yeah, you haven't That's been all. scarred by any of these things that have no. happened to you. At least I don't remember it. And that's okay. <laughs> um, so another random fact about the multiplayer is uh, while the single player and multiplayer modes include a range of male and female characters, some of them wear gloves if you need to know, um, the hands visible from every first player perspective are always James Bond's hands, regardless of who you are. Yeah, yeah. Great fact. Oh, that's, yeah, that's a good fact. So Odd Job has... James Bond's James Bond size hands. Yeah. Which must look really weird. I don't think you notice it because they're just hands. Yeah. Which is like all of those things where it's like you have characters that run with their hands behind them yeah. and you can see their hands in front of you. It's like weird. you know it technically is weird but you don't care because you're like I need to see the hands. Yeah. And this fact 
I like this fact because I remember the faces quite well, but I don't know if you remember some... I suppose if you ever play the single player mode, you don't see it as much, but the faces of, like, a lot of people that you're killing kind of look like real faces. Um, yeah. They they were the faces of, of the Rare staff, obviously, who made the game. When I say Rare staff, I mean the company, Rare. Um, yeah. Their staff put their faces in That's the game. That's pretty cool. So, like, the developers mm. are kind of in there. Can you imagine being, like, my faces and Goldeneye? What a party awesome. trick. I want that for me in a game. Okay, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> if anyone out there, including Steph, wants to put my face in a game, I'd, I'd be happy. Oh, well, that's good to know. As long as it's not on, like, a pig or something. Oh. <laughs> is yeah. that what you were planning? Yeah, totally. I was just be like, this is Nikki Pig. Can you imagine one day if I'm playing a game that you've, you've worked on and I'm just, like, not even really thinking about it and then I just come along like a farmyard animal and I'm just like, fuck, my face is on it. <laughs> Steph, what have you, you done? Yeah, that would be the first thing. You'd this isn't what I wanted. You promised me it would never be a pig. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm actually hoping you'll do it now. I'm I mean, to be pleasantly surprised. Now we've said it, that's it. I'm going to be straight in this year on Monday. Even if there's no pigs in the game, I just should just put a pig in. Just Yeah, just anywhere I could put a pig. Even if it's like a poster of a pig. Nikki Pig. <laughs> Nikki Pig says, relax. <laughs> You can make you would do a whole thing. Awesome. That's what. That's just what I wanted. Yeah. So, um, Pierce Brosnan, we all know yes. and love, mm-hmm. um, played James Bond. So he actually played the game as well. Amazing. And he actually did it in an episode of The Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon in 2014. I haven't watched this clip, but I might watch it later. I'm going to look up that clip when we're done, actually. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool because Pierce Brosnan yeah. is a legend. He is. We like good old Pierce. But yeah, that's it really about my number four. I don't really have much a... else to say apart from it was a good game. Yeah, that's a good number four. I think that's fair enough. I think you've covered everything we need to say about Goldeneye. It's Sweet. just that it was great. Yeah. Nice. Okay. My number three is Donkey Kong 64. Oh my god, still no crossovers. This is weird. Oh my goodness. This is getting terrifying. Mm. I'm slightly worried about the top two to be fair. But let's talk about number three. My number three, Donkey Kong 64, uh, was also a game by Rare. Uh, Rare seemed to be making everything for the N64. I know. For a Nintendo. They're just absolutely everywhere. Um, it's uh, a 3D world one, which I think actually is the only 3D world one in the series still. Like, I don't think there's yeah. ever been one since, yeah. but it was amazing. Um, it's kind of set on the DK Isles where like all of them are set, but it was like a platforming big 3D kind of uh, adventure kind of like super mario and that kind of thing and the story of it was that king k rule kidnapped the kong family uh all the different kongs there are and it was it was a really fun game it was a lot of platforming and they had like each family member that you unlocked throughout uh the game had different abilities and you all had different guns apparently monkeys had guns which was great um or apes i should say depending um yeah you had I think it was like Donkey Kong, Diddy Kong, uh, Chunky Kong, Tiny Kong, and Lanky Kong. <laughs> Lanky Kong was my favourite. He was mental. He had dungarees. He basically looked like King Louie because oh, he was uh, a yeah, no, uh, orangutan. And he had like stretchable arms. That was his power. So he could like stretch his arms really long and hit people. And he had like a really... He basically like did a dance move every time he attacked anybody. Um and made all the greatest noises so he was definitely 
my favorite and still is my favorite and i played this game quite often actually like every time i get in a 64 kind of mood donkey kong 64 tends to be the one that i go for uh i think because it's quite challenging so i don't know if i've ever like fully fully completed it i've definitely like finished it and done the boss and stuff um a couple of times but i've never like collected everything because so much backtracking in this game because you kind of go to an area you like unlock lands and then uh you can do it with like your available like family members and then you like might unlock a new one and then so you have to go back with the new family members and open secret areas that you couldn't like reach or you couldn't get to without uh like the special kongs that you needed um which was quite fun because you got to basically do the level again but it felt different because you could go different places um so yeah it just has a lot of replayability um and it was hilarious it was just a really funny game with lots of fun monkeys and quite lots of things i think it was quite difficult i don't remember whether it was difficult because i was young or like now i'm just not very good at it but it's not the easiest game in the world for sure no i find that as well i know what you mean it's like it's hard to know if the game was actually difficult because it was a different time and games had to be more difficult to have a bit more challenge or whether we were just young and stupid and just incapable yeah it was difficult uh did you ever play donkey kong 64 no i think i played i want to say i played one on the snes um that was platform not 3d but i don't think i ever played that one yeah so that one probably would have been one of the country ones like donkey kong country where you're kind of like side scrolling yeah that's the one yeah so this one isn't like those ones because that's like pretty much all of the donkey kongs are side scrolling ones yeah and this one's the only one that was like in you know a 3d world like super mario 64 and all of those kind of things um yeah so uh i think my only real facts are that it was the first n64 game that required an expansion pack uh because it was just the biggest game that anyone had made before on the n64 so it was like the first one that needed it which i thought was quite interesting my other fact is that grant kirkhope uh the composer for the game and composer for a lot of other games like uh banjo kazooie and stuff like that and actually has a really good youtube channel that you people should check out um also provided the voice for donkey kong in this game really uh yeah and he's done some clips on youtube of him doing it again um so yeah i recommend trying to find him because he does all kinds of weird stuff and i think he's still i think he did something for ukulele or something like that he did yeah yeah so yeah i think he still does lots of nice stuff and lots of throwbacks which is cool uh and my final fact is that the rap song from the game's introductory sequence the dk rap is often cited <laughs> among the worst songs to feature in a video game i've never heard this so i mean i'm gonna have to go listen to this yes if, if it's, if it's the worst it, i'm intrigued you really need to youtube it it's is, just is there voices rapping oh yeah it's a voice it's a it's a voice rapping oh god this sounds hellish yeah it's great it's great hell and you should listen to it sweet i will uh yeah and that's my number three cool still no crossovers yeah my number three worrying i don't think will be a crossover because i don't remember you owning this game so i'm hoping that it's not but this was one of the first games i ever had potentially even the first game that i had on n64 quite possibly actually is super mario 64 oh that was so close to going to my list but i do not have uh, it yeah i own mario 64 I still okay own. i love it it was a great game um i really enjoyed it it was released in 1996 and was the first in super mario series to feature three dimensional gameplay 
The general synopsis is, with anything, Princess Peach is in the middle of it, because she's just dramatic. Um, Peach. <laughs> she invites Mario to come to her castle for cake. Oh. Uh, so it's all Peach's fault, really, isn't it? Yeah, um, always is. So when Mario arrives for the cake, he discovers that Bowser has invaded the castle and imprisoned the princess, and just caused a whole lot of shit. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he turns all of like the the paintings into portals into other worlds. Don't know how he did that. Um, Some unless, magic bullshit. <laughs> unless she just had them hanging around. I don't know. Um, she's a mystery. But yeah, <laughs> you jump into the paintings and you run around and you do shit as any kind of Mario game. <laughs> I love that your explanation for this game is one, the same synopsis for I think every Mario game. And two, you've kind of developed my form of <laughs> game telling which i'm very much appreciating so. i just i didn't really write down much more because i just thought well it's pretty simple yeah, you jump into paintings Mario. you do some shit you collect some coins you jump on some goombas or whatever they're called and you get shit done yeah you saw out peach's mess again hopefully you get some cake every mario game ever it's just always peach i know causing problems yeah so um yeah i really enjoyed this game as a kid it was just a nice game it was just it, it sounds silly but it was just simple it was just a good yeah. simple game um it was pretty as well uh the facts i've got because i don't really have much more to say about it is um supposedly luigi was going to be a playable character and it was going to be split screen which mm-hmm. would be awesome and i think it was done later cool. in like the remakey thing that they did which i haven't played I'm not very up on new Nintendo stuff, unfortunately. Yeah, so there would have obviously been the potential for a split screen there, which would have been awesome. Yeah. But, you know, didn't happen. So uh, so also, the what most people didn't know was that the idea of riding around on a horse was originally planned for Super Mario 64, but apparently they didn't like the idea of Mario riding an animal that wasn't Yoshi. Yeah, that would so, be a bit strange. But then why not put Yoshi in it? Why not ride Yoshi? But it oh, yes. doesn't really matter. They later dropped this idea, um, but they apparently, um, Shigeru Miyamoto was so intrigued by the idea that they put it into Ocarina of Time. So Nice. Yeah. But yeah, so that was cool. So a little bit of a fact on Princess Peach, who I know I said was causing the problems, but this is a cool fact, which she's voiced by Leslie Swan. So Swan actually worked as a senior editor for the Nintendo Power magazine, and she was also task with translating all of the um all of it into english so japanese into english yeah. so while she was working that they gave her the role <laughs> apparently That's very cool they told her that they are they well they asked her to sound like sweet and she apparently said it was a stretch because <laughs> i mean fair enough because peach's yeah. voice is quite like you know yeah it is a bit ridiculously sweet yeah so she actually portrayed princess peach um in i think it was i think it might have been the mario kart as well but then she uh, she went to go do other cool stuff on Nintendo, uh, and she still does she still does some voicing acting on the side. But I don't think she does much anymore. But yeah, she's just up there being a cool power woman, doing nice. shit. Good, but yeah, good going. I just thought it was quite cool that she sort of like dropped in to do Peach, and then yeah, yeah, that is cool. Um, the other fact I've got is the enemy Womp, which, as far as I'm aware, is the one that's like a uh, kind of like a big brick with a face. Yeah, a big wall. Yeah. Yeah. So apparently he was inspired by. Uh, sorry, I don't mean to say he. It can be a she as well. The wall yeah. can be anything the wall wants to be. Um, 
<laughs> so this was likely inspired by the Japanese mythological creature known as a Nurikabe, which is said to take the form of any wall or trick yeah. or trap to like trick travellers. And it said that the Nurikabe could expand infinity in size, so I get like just get really fucking huge. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it's it's weird. And apparently, the only known way to make it disappear was to knock on its lower right hand side, which is weird. But yeah, apparently yeah. that's kind of what it's based on, which I liked. I thought that was a cool piece of insightful information. Yeah, that is something I never knew. Yeah, so Womp has a has a bit of a backstory there. Who do you know? Who knew that a wall could have depth? Right. Who knew? That's <laughs> also yes. must mention a Mario sixty four the penguin. Oh yeah, the penguin. I felt so torn with that penguin. I remember in my young mind playing it and being like, Haha, it's, a, "It's a cute little penguin." Oh my god, I can pick it up. And then that slow realization of, "What if I just walk towards the edge and just <laughs> drop it off?" Off it goes. And then I yeah, think, yeah. I like that everyone has the same thought process of of that exact thing just <laughs> yeah i did I think used it's to a true testament bad, to uh human oh yeah thought process there. it is i did used to feel bad and i didn't like it when the angry penguin man would like run after me and get angry and be sad that yeah. would upset me but then that's you, know... you had to face the consequences of murdering her child is yeah, what, I... why you felt bad i guess it was like a life lesson in a way yeah don't murder penguins but he always came back and that was nice he came back he always came back but um i think that little penguin had a name actually i can't remember it. i didn't write it down but yeah i've forgotten his own name after you've murdered him countless but then, times that's the whole point isn't it you can't get yeah. attached you can't name them if you're gonna no. throw them off the side of an ice wall <laughs> it's very wise words nikki so yeah that poor penguin poor poor penguin <laughs> Oh. Lost into the ether. On that note, after yeah. that moment of Should silence. On. Poor I'm penguin. Amazing. Um, we're on to my number two, and I'm going to prepare the beetle because my number two is Banjo Kazooie. That's also my number two. Oh. oh. <laughs> did you just did you just sync with Beetle? I did. That was cool. Me and Beetle have become one. My dream come true. I'm gonna go run a shop. Yeah. So okay, um, this is both our number two. So can we yeah, combine let's just, facts? Yeah. Let's just talk about this together. Okay. Nikki. You go first. Because all right then. Uh, we've spoken a bit about Banjo and Kazooie before between the two of us, anyway. Because I think I had Grunty for the villains one, and you had here Banjo in it for something. I think else. I had, no. I think I mentioned ukulele, so Banjo Kazooie came up uh, when I mentioned that. Yeah, um, but I know we've like uh, we've shown our collective love for Banjo and Kazooie. Yeah. Um, I think it's just it's my favorite platformer. I think mm. I do really enjoy it as a platformer. I think between this and Spyro, they're just the things that I think of when I think of my childhood. Um, and like you said, with Mario sixty four, it kind of took what Mario started and just refined it. Um, and yeah. built more like mechanics and stuff up on top of it. So, because Mario is great, uh, and then Banjo just kind of went, "Well, this looks cool. Let's just make something crazy." It was a very lovable game. Mm, I would describe it. Yeah. Well, that was one of my kind of like half facts was that it was designed basically to appeal for like all ages and all people, um, kind of like Pixar and Disney movies, where it's like got double levels of you can enjoy it as a kid it's very safe but also as an adult there's like yeah. little jokes in there and 
things like that. Mm. To give some context as well for anyone that hasn't played it, um, it follows the story of a bear called Banjo and a bird called Kazooie, hence the name Banjo Kazooie. And they try and stop the plans of the witch Gruntilda, or Grunty, who we've spoken of before. Um, she's a bit of a bitch. Uh, and there's also Banjo's sister in there as well, called Tootie. So, and you just yeah. basically have to stop Gruntilda being a dick. Yeah, pretty much. That's a good description. Do you want to know what my description of this game was? Please. You play as a bear with a bird who lives in your backpack. You need to collect jiggies in an effort to kill a witch who has your sister. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, that's my um, broken down version. I can't remember why you have to collect jiggies. Um, I but... think because you're trying to piece together, you've got puzzles to recreate, which make the portals to the world open. Yeah. Um. So you're kind of, and I think you're hunting for Gratilda. I don't think you know where she is. I think you're kind of checking all the worlds to make sure she's not in there. And then in, in, on your way, helping people, she's screwed over. Okay. So that's my theory anyway you also get to learn moves you learn quite a lot of moves um, do. with like Kazooie involved and one of my anecdotes about this is a personal anecdote and uh, I remember I think I bought Banjo-Kazooie with my pocket money for my N64 and I was quite young it may have been, well been around the time that it came out and I remember playing like not long not playing it for long at all potentially I think it was the move that you learn where kazooie kind of runs up hills for you oh, so yeah. yeah um so as a child a very young i think i probably was about eight seven or eight i couldn't figure out how to do it i think the game must have told me at one point and then i either didn't listen or i couldn't figure it out um i tried so hard to get up that hill <laughs> this probably wasn't even the first actual level <laughs> um i ended up crying oh. because i couldn't do it but i was so young and i remember being so upset because i bought i saw my pokemon this game and i bought it and i remember just going to my brother and being like i can't do it like getting so upset no one helped me because you know that's the challenge of life is you know yeah. just don't be a pussy and get on with it and so <laughs> no one no one taught me they were just like no you bought this game this is you know this is your fault you have to learn how to do it i'm making them sound really bad they probably didn't do that but i don't remember anyone actually teaching me um i just got really really upset and i might come back to it i think about a year later figured it out and then got on with the game but yeah <laughs> that's <laughs> really upset wow. me yeah, I can imagine. That, that's pretty upsetting, to be fair. Yeah. And I love the... Yeah, because Bottles teaches you. The, the mole. mole man. Yeah. But he must have just abandoned you well, in a time of need. I think he did at one point teach me, but I probably just didn't quite... It didn't register, and then I don't think he necessarily teaches you again. And I just couldn't figure out the buttons, so... Yeah. Being me, Although, I just cried instead. I have a feeling if you just go up to his mole hill... He teaches you again. Well, you go tell seven-year-old Nikki that. Go back in time. Because <laughs> if I have the power was... to go back in time, that's what I'm going to go do. She tried. Just help she failed. Nikki. <laughs> yeah, she's going to find you crying yeah. in your room, and I'm going to be like your savior. <laughs> anyway, that's my anecdote. Over, I was a crying baby mess because I couldn't figure out how to play the game. Nice. I like it. Um, I don't think I've got any anecdotes other than it. It was just a game I really liked as a kid. And I loved Mumbo. And the oh, fact yeah. that Mumbo would change you into stuff. Um, yes. Different, like, bees you could be and a termite. Apparently you could be a pumpkin. Yeah. I don't remember that. Um, oh, yeah. A walrus, a bee, and a crocodile. Yeah. Because yeah. the, the pumpkin is in the, like, one of the swamps, oh, okay. I think. I don't think it's the same 
Because one of the swamps you're a crocodile, and then I think there's another bit in a swamp somewhere where you're a pumpkin. Okay. And I know the woods is where you become a bee. Yes. It was a great game. I think that was a really cool feature, being able to turn into animals. Yeah. I liked it. Um, yeah, I do have a fact it. about Mumbo Jumbo. I don't know if you've Ooh. got this fact. This... I also have one, so I'm interested to see what yours is. So this is in regards to Greg Kirkhope. Uh, and so there's a phrase, which is which Mumbo says, which is Umenaka. Um, do you have this fact? I think so. And Mkum Bokum? I don't know. But basically, the phrase came from Greg Kirkhope, who at the time was worried he had a serious health problem and often showed up to the studio after leaving the doctor. And he'd walk up the corridor and shout, Oh, my knackers, which is for anyone that's American, knackers is testicles. Uh, it's like a British slang. So he would shout, like, Oh, my knackers, basically. So everyone found it really, really funny and decided to form the like the phrase umanaka that's amazing like... did you know that did you have that fact no so i have a slightly different one which i'm now interested to see which fact is right because i have a fact that says when you collect a mumbo token there's a sound effect of mumbo saying income uh this phrase and most of mumbo's speech aside oh apart from umanaka mm. are all made up of randomly arranged sound bites and then when these sound bites are played in the correct order they say come and have a go if you think you're hard enough sorry my so, cat yeah. is currently at the mic <laughs> one moment <laughs> is this neo oh yeah that was neo <laughs> give me a minute <laughs> he's actually like trying to talk oh. in it it's not your time can you hear him <laughs> I heard a purr. Yeah, I just heard him. <laughs> it's because I've got treats on the table. Ooh. Right. So, yeah, in regards to that, the come and have a go if you think you're hard enough, that is correct. So they had that sentence, come and have a go if you think you're hard enough. Obviously, it's like a football chant. And they yeah. used that as their base thing where they took all the the words from to like mix it up. Yeah. So everything is derived from that saying, which is hilarious. I'm very English. I love it. Yeah, it is. I really like that. And I like that it ties in with why, aside from Umanaka, is like not included. (laughs) So another fact that I've got is um, apparently there was an early energy system utilised, which was like a three strikes and you're out design. So instead of honeycombs, Banjo was given more clothes. Really weird. So apparently with each hit, he would lose an article of clothing. The first would send his hat flying, the second would cause him to lose his shoes, and the third and final hit would result in his death. But when I first read that, I was like, this is weird, because it just feels like Banjo's just going to get nude. I was like, this is just, do you know what I mean? It's just like strip poker, yeah. but Banjo can be. Oh man. Like, what is this? That's not. That could be a part of our, like, spin off from the Pokemon Mini. I know. Like... But how does that make any sense? Because he would just keep putting articles of clothing on. Like, surely he'd be wandering around, like, you know, like Joey from Friends, where he puts all those, like, jumpers on. <laughs> She'd just be like <laughs> covered in clothes, but yeah, very glad they didn't. They didn't go ahead with that. Yeah, that's probably a good thing. Yeah. Um, my other fact is that uh, the music from Gruntilda's Lair strongly resembles an old song called Teddy Bear's Picnic. Yes. Uh, the composer Grant Kirkcope again, who I mentioned before, has acknowledged that he was probably thinking of the Teddy Bear's Picnic when he wrote Gruntilda's Lair, but doesn't remember it being a conscious decision. <laughs> it was so similar. I just like the fact that he was just like, yes, that's probably what I did, but I, d- I don't think I was there for it. <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't really there, like, mentally. Yeah. I just probably, but who knows? <laughs> yeah. That that's something that I think I can relate to. Yeah. 
and my last fact that is again sound related i don't know why i picked all my sound related facts was that the original sound for collecting an egg had to be changed in development nobody knows why it was scrapped but it might have been because the sound became rather annoying while collecting large amount of eggs sweet so my other fact is to do with Kirk Hope as well because this guy is just <laughs> all over our top five but hey it was he the is. N64 and it was like the 90s so that's fine yeah. so in regards to this one um, Ed Bryan one of the game's artists had noticeably red hair so as a result Grant Kirk Hope perhaps seeking retribution for Umenaka called him Jinji which was short for Ginger so the developers were inspired by this nickname and decided to name their teddy bear like creations Jinjos so basically, oh. the Jinjos were named from the nickname Jinji, or Jinj. <laughs> uh, which is funny because the first one was orange that they had in the game. So but, yeah, I, I really like Rare. After all these like facts I found, they just made me laugh. Like putting their faces into the game, doing the Almanacas the thing, and then doing like the Jinjo thing. Yeah, it's, it's just funny. They're just funny yeah. people. Yeah, seems like a fun development place. Just yeah. be thrown in things. For sure. It's really enjoyable when you find facts like that as well. Like the Knackers one. I was just like, this is just, it's just, it's just good. Yeah, good fact it content. is. I think it's just because you feel like the, the developers like had a good time yeah. doing it. Like they were having fun. They were making like a cute, nice game and it wasn't like doom and gloom. It was stupid and a little silly at times. And that's kind of nice. Exactly. So yeah. That was our number two, I guess, because that was a crossover. Um, if I can, if I'm able, I might mm. mention a backup. All right. Uh, won't go too mad on it, because to be honest, I didn't really write that much down for it. But I feel like I may as well just squeeze it in there. Yeah. Um, and that is Earthworm Jim 3D. Nice. So this one was a weird one for me, because a lot of people actually said it wasn't a very good game. And back then, in the day when I was younger, I do remember getting frustrated at it quite a lot. And there was some really, like annoying voice lines and annoying parts of the game but i just remember it being like quite fun and i've got a lot of like nostalgia for it especially when i watch clips of it um so yeah earthworm gym 3d is a platform game and it's the third in the earthworm gym series i did actually play it on mega drive i think as well um so what happens generally is earthworm gym is hit by a flying cow sentimental coma and he awakens with his own subconscious and discovers he's gone insane it's a really weird storyline you're weird. basically in your own brain bizarre so deep and the past villains from the games have entered his subconscious and he knows that if he doesn't kill them soon he'll go into a coma again deep um so his super ego has been unleashed within his subconscious to stop the madness so it's your job basically to do that and restore your own sanity and find the golden udders of lucidity don't can't remember exactly why you had to get the udders but you had to get udders so your new locations in Jim's Reign are opened up by collecting golden udders and then each level in each location are opened by collecting marbles. I enjoyed the marbles, they were cool. I don't know why, in some games, I don't know if you have it as well, but when you pick up things or you just like the look of things and the noise that they make, I just liked the marbles. Don't know. Yeah, it's just a thing you want. Yeah. I really don't have any facts for it. This is just a quick one to slot in there because obviously Steph's on my number two. Yeah. Um, uh, so the third game, so this one was actually despised by the original creators of the old games. So Ooh. there you go. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I never played that one. I think, but I played the one that was on PC. It was like two D one. I think that might have been the one. Yeah, I remember the one I played before that was on Mega Drive or something, and it was two mm. D. 
Um, it was I good. The same one. Yeah. This this one was like that, but on a lot of drugs. I it I remember, sounds like it. I remember it just being really, really like, you know, whoever made it must have been high on something because yeah, it was just weird. But you know, I've got a lot of nostalgia to it, and I just you know thought I'd just slip in there. I like it. I like a good slip in. Yep. <laughs> so now we're on to our number one, which I know what yours is. And I know what yours is. So should we just do it together again? Um, yeah, you say it. All right. It is Zelda Ocarina of Time. Yep. Yeah. You can't um, play Beedle. Oh, sorry. That's okay. I mean... Oh! This is you. true. He is from... Uh, yeah. Oh, well, you know, the series. Good. Get your shit together. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm dropping the ball here. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I assumed that you'd have Ocarina of Time on that. I'm surprised you don't have Majora's Mask. I, the thing about Majora for me is I liked Majora, but I don't like playing it. It's a weird game <laughs> that I, you know, it's like, it's difficult. It's a hard game. It's really dark and really creepy and i like it for that thing but it's definitely not one of my favorite zelda games by a long shot so yeah like i like mentioning it for its creepiness and stuff but no ocarina is is my favorite it's one of my favorite games same as banjo and kazooie these are like two of same with you i would get like assume Mm. they're just in the top games anyway yeah legend of zelda like ocarina of time if i could have like repeats i would just have this game as like pretty much all five which i know is ridiculous but i just adored this game when i was younger i remember just coming home from school and it was just all over wanted to play and i played it more times than i can remember and i still love it like the music the storyline just everything um it's definitely one of my favorite games of all time yeah i think that's it it's like i don't think i remember how many times i've played it but i will just keep playing it happily i love it um mm-hmm. i i was gonna try and explain the plot line unless you wanted to no you carry on you are doing well at these plots this today. is all from memory so this is gonna be tough but i'm gonna try all so right. you're a little guy and you live in a little village and there's lots of little children but they're not children they're kind of like adults they're in a lot of green clothing and you're like forest kids anyway all these other kids have fairies you don't have a fairy until one day you do have a fairy <laughs> No, and like then you're doing well so far. And then there's this magical tree that lives in the village, and he calls you over because he's basically got like a big bad bug inside him. It's like a monster, mm. and so you have to go in and you like kill the monster, and then you come out, and then he's like, "Oh, I'm dying," and then he dies, and then I can't remember why, but you go to a castle, and there's a princess there, and you have a chat, and she tells you that there's this guy speaking to her dad, and he's a bit of a creep. You're like, cool. And then she gets kidnapped by the creepy guy that's talking to her dad. And then you have to rescue her. And then for some reason, you become an adult. And then you go back to being a child. And then you do that for a bit. And then you just, like, save the world. There was a great description of this game. <laughs> I mean, I think I nailed it. I think you did. I mean, I don't think I could do that any better. There was a lot of I'd... plot points I forgot. <laughs> You did forget a lot of like I don't know why you're doing this. There's time. I mean, it's confusing because you said like there is time travel involved, which always gets confusing for oh, games yeah. and even movies and things like that. But basically, you're kind of like Marty McFly, but angry, and you have a sword, 
and you want to save that princess. I think you have to age up because, well, essentially you go to the future where you're older because you can't really do shit as a small child. Is that why? I couldn't remember. I need to play, I haven't played Ocarina of Time for a few good, well, I'd say probably about maybe four or five years. So I couldn't remember. I just remembered the first bit for some reason more than the rest of it. Yeah. No, I don't. Probably because you've played that bit the most of just yeah. going to the Deku tree, it's, it's killing some, the Deku it's tree. It's something to do with like, you know, Seeing the Triforce and being able to kill Ganon because he's an evil dick and um, saving Zelda and saving the world and shit. Yeah. It's, a, it's an all-round good time. Um, there's I, yeah. lots of cool temples, um, yes. which are probably one of my favourite parts of it. Um, just the different kinds of temples you can go to and yeah. Yeah. Um... It was, yeah, generally it was just a big open world adventure. And I think nothing around at the time felt like it. And I think nothing really feels like it in gaming other than more Zelda games. You know what I mean? Like, it's a weird yeah. kind it was of... the zelda Zelda game. Yes, it was the Zelda of zelda games. It's just that fabled one that people like. And, um, yeah, I mean, the plot is is what Nikki said. Technically, it's just like go save a princess kind of plot, which we kind of know. But the game itself, like, it's just did lots of different things, like new, like all the yeah. button things there you could so, do there was so much and all the different moves. As well. like, yeah. there, was a lot, there was a lot going on aside to the main plot storyline as well, which I like. Like, it wasn't just yes. about that. There was just other shit happening. And um, yeah, it was, and there was a lot of dance stuff that happened too. Yeah, I think what I quite like about it is that there's that nice blend of serious dark stuff and dark temples and that kind of thing. But also, when you kind of feel like, oh, I'm a bit exhausted by this, there's enough stuff and enough different areas that you can go to that kind of like the opposite are a little bit more happy and a little bit yeah nicer. Like, you can go fishing. I spend a lot of time fishing. I love fishing. Um, you can, you know, ride a ponyo around and, yeah, a pony. I think yeah, I've got I've got a fact relating to kind of the general kind of happiness, but then also the creepiness, which is something that I didn't know, but I really I love, which is apparently Ocarina of Time was inspired by Twin Peaks, David Lynch's Twin Peaks, the TV show. I don't know if you've seen Twin Peaks. No, I know of it, but I've never watched it. I watched it a couple of years ago, all the way through, and it's an amazing show. But when I read that, I was just like, what? Um, but apparently, like, it was something that really deeply inspired uh, Miyamoto and his team, and they often liked the idea, like, the way that they focused on sort of quirky character interactions rather than worrying too deeply about a coherent plot. So, although, like, the plot of the game is relatively simple, it does feel really epic because you meet so many memorable and also creepy characters in the game. So, obviously, this was pushed a lot further in Majora's Mask, which was entirely focused on, like, fucking weirdos which i i kind of understand because like twin peaks is really freaking weird like i kind of get a bit more of the weirdness now now i've sort of yeah i read that yeah that's cool yeah you're right it is about like the cast of characters that you meet Mm. and you do remember people like even just stupid people like i always remember the two guys who were always trying to chop down the tree in kakariku village like why i remember these guys i don't know do you remember the weird guy that would sit under the tree at night time Yes. He was like this weird wormy looking guy and he was depressed because like his family had like or people had like I don't know like banished him because he was ugly. And um I actually looked into that a bit and supposedly uh when you're older you find out like the weird guy that's under the tree actually 
went off and became like a like stealth or something like the skeleton people uh, um yeah. so obviously like when that happens they're pretty much dead and i was just like wow this is fucking dark oh that is dark well the whole like plate the um what are they called scuttlers in the house oh yeah the, yeah the whole family has been turned into them and you have to go and rescue them yeah. like that's dark and especially when you go in there and they're all like half human because oh, like, you've mutated, done some yeah. things yeah they're like that weird middle ground where you haven't quite collected enough yeah. and they're all just this creepy half people yeah that was a creepy place I, yeah. I like it though and i can i can understand the twin peaks thing like where it's sort of creepy and dark but then also you do get the happy side to it i think that's just something that made it just so appealing yeah definitely it, it was definitely a nice blend of that yeah um one of my facts is that um the ocarina of time was originally planned to be played in first person perspective yeah i did read that i'm yeah. really glad it wasn't because i thought that would yeah. be really weird do you know the reason it was changed i feel like i do but i can't remember it was changed because Miyamoto uh, thought that it would be cool to see young Link change to adult Link. And he also thought right. players should see Link because he is so cool looking. That's a quote. <laughs> I love that. He is cool looking. Yeah. He I'm is. glad that that wasn't stripped away from us. No. And it is nice to see you running around as little Link and then yeah, otherwise you adult Link. Yeah, otherwise you wouldn't really know. Yeah, the cool costumes and all the stuff. There's quite a lot to you know, knowing that you're in the right colour outfit to go underwater or go in the you know, yeah. in Death Mountain. So yeah, there's lots of reasons why it should have been, so I'm very glad yeah. that you said it was. Um, do you got any other facts? Yeah, so uh, this one's quite funny. So um, the guy who basically made the fish pond, so there's a part in the game where you basically get to go to like a fishing hole it's like a, almost like a shop isn't it it's like a yeah you get to go in there and, and fish and buy bait and it's very relaxing one of my favorite parts of the game um apparently this was all created from a guy that was basically slacking off so not doing his job so this guy was tasked with designing the ocarina of times bosses and while he was creating morpha who was the boss of the water temple he was like hey what if there was fish in that pond so he basically added a fish and then ended up like making a fishing pole and just basically had a lot of fun with it. Um, he basically, like, he obviously designed the boss, but he um, eventually was found out to basically be slacking off making the fishing game instead of making bosses. But supposedly the superiors just shrugged and let him just keep getting on with it. But um, obviously, like, it was great, but I just thought it was so funny that he was just like, I'm bored of making bosses, I'm gonna go make a fish pond. <laughs> which is like the exact opposite of things you would think people would do you'd think oh i'd be really bored of making a weird fish pond and you'd go make a cool boss but no he didn't I know any now, nowadays people get distracted by like facebook and twitter but back then this guy was just like what can i do to pass the time <laughs> i'm gonna make fishings it's i'm so glad he did though because it's one of my favorite parts of yeah the game, i know it's shop. really really relaxing i can see why he did it and i always remember finding when you find the sunken lure if you like trudge yeah. around in the thing enough and you then you get the big carp and you like yeah oh, ruin your like your friend's record and they come over and you set a new record and they're like ah oh, you've got the biggest fish such a good game it is such a good game what are your other facts my other fact that i had was uh that ganondor's laughter is sped up to create the laughter of the poe sisters in the forest temple so it's the same laugh but oh. just sped up to make the poe one Creepy. which i thought was quite cute and i don't like the poe sisters or ganondorf but 
I thought it was a cool fact. Yeah. Now um, I like the forest temple. Did you know that Lonron Ranch is a reference to Mario? I did not know that Lonron So Ranch not Lonron Ranch specifically, Mario. but Talon and other guy. <laughs> can't remember I'm Gore, I go. I'm go, I go. I don't know. He's something a bit like of that. An asshole. I did. Yeah, that because he's supposed to be Luigi, right? Yeah. So Talon is Mario. I don't really understand who Malin is supposed to be. Um, but I don't know if like I mean I think she looks a bit like Daisy. Apparently she's mm. got something like a brooch on her that's like an upside down Bowser head as well. But supposedly mm. like Luigi and <laughs> Luigi, yeah, we shouldn't call him Luigi. Luigi yeah. and Talon <laughs> are like meant to be direct references. I don't know if that's actually necessarily proven, but everyone seems set on it. So yeah. yeah. That's interesting. I mean, they do kind of fit that look. But, they do. Yeah. I mean, he, he has they've a got mustaches, yeah. and one is tall and one is fat. Yeah. So how stretched that is, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I guess it's Nintendo, and it's Japan. So <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Any more? Uh, not from me. Do you have any? I've got two more. I had Whoa. a lot of facts, but it's okay. You are a fact queen. So, uh. Apparently, Navi was originally going to have romantic feelings for Link. Which is weird. Mm. Navi's yeah, like the fairy weird. that like follows him around. So I say she's hey, a fairy. Sam. Yeah, she's pretty annoying. But she she's mm. a fairy, but she basically is like an orb, right? Yeah. Yeah, she's just like a glowy light yeah. with wings. Yeah. Um, but thankfully, Shigeru Miyamoto just likes putting too much emphasis on story, like on love stories in his games, and decided it was unnecessary, which is good. Yeah. I'm glad that he did that. But apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the official manga, there is a plot like part where apparently Navi says to Link that she loves him before he enters Aww. the Temple of Time. So she may she may well love him, but you know, yeah. Link's just all the girls love Link. Oh, we've like, gone, there's yeah. not a girl in that game that doesn't love her like yeah. him. We discussed like, that from... in the last episode. Yeah, the princesses and yeah, Midna. Everyone's in love with him. No, oh, yeah. So this is a less uh, romantic fact. But, um, so, I don't know if you know this, but you know, like, the brown dead guys that you get when you're older and they kind of wander around the town? Oh, yeah, I hate those guys. Apparently they're called re-deads. Mm. I called them creepy worm guys. I yeah. don't know what you called them. <laughs> I think I just called them zombies. Uh, yeah, I thought they looked like brown worms. Yeah, because they had the horrible scream, yeah. like, if they saw you. So, weirdly, apparently... If a red dead is dead, which I don't remember being able to really kill them, or at least if it's on the ground, um, what happens is the other worm, creepy worm guys, will flock around the one that's on the floor. Um, And apparently it's been speculated that they're either mourning the loss of their comrade or they're eating the dead corpse. Because it basically disappears. So they mourn it, they all get around it, and then it just vanishes. I mean, when you said this was a less romantic fact, I think you meant it's a... (laughs) I mean, it depends on what... element of this romance have you got? I worded it badly, but it depends on what you're into, I guess. But I just thought it was weird. I was just like, wow. So yeah, they're even mourning it, which is acceptable. That is weird. And I'm trying to think whether I've seen it. To be fair, because I tend to just run past them. Yeah, I never wanted to interact with them. I thought they were disgusting. Yeah, I got the hell out of that town as soon as you were an adult. You were like, not spending any time here. And the only guy who lives there is the weird Po man in the like shop. Yeah, he's nice though. Yeah, he is, but I mean. Yeah, to be fair, I used to get really scared by the creepy worm guys, and I never used to want to be around them. Like, I genuinely got nightmares from them, especially in the like the graveyard as well. They're, like, they're everywhere when you're an adult. 
I feel yeah, like it's like a probably. weird analogy for life, you know? Like, <laughs> when you're young, everything's all magical and everyone's alive and the village is, is bustling. And then when, when you turn into adult, like, there's all these creepy worm guys around eating each other and everyone's, like, dying. Uh, Nikki, do we need to have a conversation about your feelings and how you're dealing with adulthood right now? Yes. No, I just, it's just weird though, as you get older, like, in the game, I just, everything just fucking got to shit. But then it is Ganon, but still, like, it just, I don't know where that analogy came from, somewhere, somewhere deep within me. I think so. I think you're having some feelings, and that's fine. Uh, I think also you're right. It is a weird, slight metaphor of being child happiness and everything's good, yeah. and then slowly noticing the. That's the where I was grossness. kind of trying to go because obviously the world has kind of gone shitty, and it's obviously when you're a kid it would be everything does seem a lot happier, and then suddenly when you're your adult link, it's like oh shit, like Ganon's like fucked the world up. But it's yeah. not. It could not be a metaphor. It could just be the game. But I don't know. I just yeah. think it's you know that we know they're dark. So who knows? I like yeah. I like that you're trying to put meaning in there. That's always appreciated. <laughs> I'm trying to get away games. from my really dark analogy that I just made. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. We just know your true feelings, and we'll have to have a cup of tea about it later. Yeah, I'm but... sorry if I've made anyone sad. <laughs> I don't think we can end talking about uh, <laughs> Zelda on that note. No, no, no. Uh, I'm, I'm actually, although that was my number one, I'm just going to quickly put another one in there as like my fake right number then. one. Yeah. Because I just feel like it's worth mentioning, which is the game Perfect Dark. Have you played this? Oh, yes. I had that in my um, honourable mentions. Ah. Yeah, so it's a first person shooter developed by Rare again, because apparently we just love Rare in 2000. Rare everything. Uh, and I really enjoyed this game. I was terrible at it when I was younger. I think it was actually quite hard. The yeah. best part about the game that I remember and that I loved was that there was an alien called Elvis, and I liked playing the level where you're him, and you get to go around punching people, um, yeah. escaping the, the place, and also the, the level where you save him. I just liked the alien. He was a good alien, and he had a great name, Elvis. Yeah. Uh, it was a good game, though. Uh, it was almost a, a successor to GoldenEye 007. Yeah, it's very similar in terms of like gameplay, yeah. but just kind of again similar to what we were saying about Banjo and Kazooie, just improved upon yeah. that feeling. But I'm not going to hang around on this one too much because it was my sort of fake number one. But I'm going to end on a nice fact this time, not mm-hmm. a fact that depresses the shit out of everybody. Um, mm-hmm. In and the fact is that in each level there is a hidden piece of Swiss cheese. This was originally part of a plan to have a mega cheat activated when all the cheese was found, but it was scrapped in the final version, but all the cheese remains. That's a great fact. And I now want to play that game again just to look for cheese. Yeah. Which is not a sentence I thought I'd say, but I like it. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a good game. I think with N64, though, as we said, it was difficult because there was really a limited amount. And I guess with N64 as well, you didn't get demos or anything. No. It was, you kind of just had to buy them and... I, I only really had a select few. Yeah, it was kind of it. You just kind of got given the cartridge, and you never like. You, and quite a lot of them were so long. It was tended to be the the switch over from you know SNES and Mega Drive kind of era of having you know four levels in a game, yeah. to having such large expansive worlds. They didn't really need to have that many games because it just took you forever to complete them. Like Ocarina is a long, long. Oh game. yeah. Took me Same like, like years banjo and all that game. Yeah, I have a really weird memory of coming home after school and playing Ocarina of Time and eating those really large gobstoppers. <laughs> oh, the ones that eventually would make your tongue bleed. Yeah, like. and they were yeah. literally like a cement rock that was ginormous. You couldn't even like 
put it in your face. No, you pretty much just had to lick it until your tongue bled, and then you had to stop for a while. I remember, and then yeah, on. I remember putting it in the fridge because, like, or like storing it away because you'd like have a few like licks of it, and then you'd be like, "Well, I'm not going to be able to get through this." I just yeah. weird memories I've got. I like it, and I'm now thinking about that thing, and I'm thinking about like well, the I gigantic gobstopper. I, yeah, I think the only place I ever got one was like in a theme park uh, in England. Of like, uh, I think it was in Chessington. Have you ever been to Chessington World's Adventures in the UK? I got one there. Awesome! It's a great place. It's my fact. <laughs> but yeah, nostalgia is definitely attached to the N64. Yes, um, I think very strongly. Yeah. But I am glad that Ocarina of Time was number one because it is definitely, in my opinion, the best game on Nintendo 64. It definitely is. I'm always going to agree with you on that one. I'm glad we can agree. (laughs) Wonderful. Sweet. Well, that's uh, the end of our top five. Um, It was a speedy one, but I enjoyed it. I think we we know what we like about our N64 games. I think that's what we can take away with this. Yeah, I'm happy with it. It went well. Good. I'm glad you're pleased with this episode. Ah, uh, uh, yes. I'd also like to say um, mm. that I still hope to stream in the future with Steph. Um, yes. and I'm planning on attempting to do this maybe in the next few weeks. So keep an eye out for that, and you can watch us fail at games because yeah, we will get organised and find something to play. Uh, it's strangely quite difficult for us to find anything that we feel like playing. Um, but we will endeavour to do it. Um. But in the meantime, you can follow our shenanigans at uh, Game Till Five on Twitter. Uh, you can also follow Nikki and her fun cosplay stuff at what Nikki? Elite Cat. Uh, and you can email us at Game Till Five at gmail dot com and ask us whatever questions you want, or, or even send us something weird. Suggest some like episode, uh, like what do you call it? Ideas, like top five yeah. ideas, because yeah, we're cause... gonna run out eventually, and that's gonna be a we... sad day we are and if there's anything you really want to hear if you're like oh i really wish they'd do an episode about this i'd love to know what they think because you know we have an opinion uh then then that'll be (laughs) we do have opinions we Um, do about many things if you you want to know what they are then just drop us a message we might reply that'd be nice we like we like getting mail it's fun (laughs) awesome um cool well i will say good night then nikki Good night.